talk a little bit. I'm going to get my, my timer going here because I'm going to need to keep track because I'm passionate about what I'm about to, to talk about. But I'm so thankful uh, you all are here, excited about what God's going to do in this time. What a, a good way to set the stage there uh, with worship and God just speak. Like whatever you want to do in our hearts, we're open, open to that. And so uh, I'm just so thankful. I uh, just want to let you know kind of what this day is going to look like. Uh, some of you, this is the first time you've been at team conference. It's a rather new concept for us. We, we started doing last fall, and we really want it to happen in the spring. And so we had a choice to either wait a year and a half to do this, or like, hey, we'll do it in like four or five months. And like, so we just said, we're going to go ahead and move it here. So we're just going to do one of these a year, probably at this time of each year, and, and I'm just, uh, I'm excited about what this is going to look like. Uh, you're going to get here and have opportunities just to connect with uh, uh, and learn from one another. I, I feel like that's what this is about, learning from one another. You're going to hear nine different voices uh, from the stage and in breakouts today. So this isn't about, hey, what, what's Pastor Kyle got for today? You know, what's a, this is about what's God got for me that we can learn from one another in, in our groups. And so I just take the, I, I want to just take a, a second just to affirm you being here for taking a Saturday morning to be here to grow, to learn, and to develop. And, and really, uh, it, it's really about just growing as disciple makers, growing as leaders. And so I think some of the stuff that you're going to take away today is not just going to help you in the church. I think it, it's about everything that's happening here is about us going out there and making the impact and difference that we're called to make. So I think it's going to change some things in our home, and it's going to change some things in our workplace, the way we lead and the way uh, we, we love. And so uh, I just want to encourage you just to open yourself up to whatever uh, God uh, has for us today. But I just want to take a second just to affirm that you're here, that you're taking the time. And so I encourage you to, to be taking notes, to be jotting down, to let, let the Lord process some things in your heart. That one's not starting for some reason. There you go. Um, to, to, to just process what God is, is, uh, is doing in, in your heart and speaking to you through all this and where it's resonating. So uh, recently, Taryn and I have been on a little bit of a new discovery, like self-discovery. Uh, we've taken something called the Enneagram. Has anybody taken the Enneagram or familiar with the Enneagram? Okay, a couple of you. So some people are weirded out by this stuff uh, when you get into personality assessments. But the Enneagram is like a thousand-year-old assessment that uh, was used. It's kind of these nine personality types, and it's really about becoming like self-aware to, to really grow from that. It, it was primarily used from Christian monks a thousand years ago, and they would begin to use these in their counseling sessions to help people discover, you know, who they're, how they're created. And with the Enneagram, uh, there's these nine different types, and you can kind of fall into one of those. And so I'm a three wing two, three W two, and the three is my dominant personality type, and the two is like a secondary personality type that I can also kind of swing into that one. And so uh, there's a book out there, uh, some uh, Christian counselors that have, have written called The Road Back to You. So we're both reading through this and just having all these deep conversations. Like we've known each other for 15 years, but we're really processing that in a, in a much deeper way. So uh, I say all that to say like with a three type uh, personality, what that really is, they define it as a performer, achiever, type personality, right? You could probably see that in me. And so let me give you the list of negatives that come with that. And then there's, there are some positives too. So like the negatives that come with that is that we're very task oriented. Like we're very goal oriented. Uh, we can be, uh, you know, lean into uh, self-consumption and like we're just kind of focused on self because we're so focused on our goals or, or what uh, we're trying to uh, accomplish. Um, very focused on results. We can lean into um, only wanting outside approval, like that we just lean in. We need outside approval so much because I'm 
task and like achiever performer. And so it, it makes sense, you know, like usually uh, achiever performers will be on stage, like they'll be in front of people uh, because it's like, this is like super deep. So like, I'm just, I'm starting with super vulnerability stuff, but um, it's like, I could get my, all my pre- approval, like, oh, like people are listening to me. Okay. And so like, there's this really unhealthy version of that in my personality. And then there's the healthy version too, uh, and the good stuff that comes out of my, my uh, personality type, which is, you know, I'm a self-starter, uh, I'm a dreamer and a visionary, uh, people, uh, you know, charismatic and, and can kind of inspire people, I like to think that at least, and, and so, um, you know, there's, there's negatives, there's being a workaholic, and then there's like big visionary, accomplish great things, and a self-starter, and so there's, there's good and bad, and so with the Enneagram, they, they kind of describe it as like, there's like healthy versions of this, there's unhealthy versions of this, and there's this space in between in which we're kind of progressing and growing, and we're, we can see I've got the negative, and I've got some of these healthy uh, versions of that. And so I, I give you this brief synopsis of my personality, because what I want to talk to you about today um, is, is a big deal because of how God has transformed me in it. And as I've been on that journey from unhealthy three, wing two, to healthy, and I didn't, I didn't have any language, I didn't have any language for that, but I've been on this internal journey for uh, some time, uh, really since I, I came to know Jesus. I really feel like it, really this conversation is birthed out of the experience since I, I, come, uh, I came to know, know Jesus, um, because since that time, I was super prideful. Like, if you notice through the, like the negatives and the positives, what you didn't hear anything uh, in that was about uh, relationships. Um, that I, it, there was no, like, connection, like, with people, or, like, th- there wasn't anything in there because, again, the unhealthy version of that is really, if you had to sum it up, like, it's prideful. Getting approval from other people, it's... You, you know, a self-consumed, a vanity be consumed with image is like another negative, unhealthy version of a three. And so, um, so when I came to know Jesus, like I came face to face with how prideful I was. Face to face that like, dude, you're a hot mess and all you care about is yourself. Like you, you don't care about anybody else. And, and that had created such emptiness that brought me to this place of, of needing Jesus and realizing I was sinful in need of that. And so ever since that time, and I began to look in the scriptures, and so early, like in my late teenage years, I'm, I'm recognizing that for me, like this is kind of uh, just part of like my theological uh, foundation, is that uh, pride is the first sin and it'll be the last sin. You know, it, it is what we see in Satan that he wanted the glory, like he, he, when we see this story there, and he's thrown down because he, he wanted God's throne. Like, he wanted the attention. He was the worship leader who wanted it to be about him. And, and so that was the first sin, and God cast that out. And, and I believe pride is the last sin as well because uh, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. There is no greater sign to surrender and be humbled from that pride that. So I believe it's the first sin, and it's the, the last sin. And what I, I want to talk to you about today, I want to talk to you about pride. I want to talk to you about humility and, and the role that re- our relationships play in our discipleship and our leadership in that mix. So it, it's kind of a basket of things here. So track with me, and we're going to get somewhere big that has for, has for me has been life-changing and transformational to understand and comprehend this. Um, and, but I, I kind of want to take you on this journey, and it's so important because um, it's 
Pride is Satan's tactic to separate you from God. And it's Satan's tactic to separate you from people of God who are going to get you to pursue God. So he won't just do it in your relationship here. He's going to put pride in your life to separate you here because those are people that are going to help you reach your God-given potential. And it's so subtle. And so if anybody in this moment has checked out and said, no, this isn't for me. I'm not a prideful person. Like that is a prideful statement. (laughs) And so it's always like, it's always funny. And so when I talk about this, I talk about like I'm on the journey. Like as Paul said, I'm not coming up here as one who has obtained all this. Like I haven't. I have to crucify it on a daily basis. But there's a couple phrases that I I want to to be a bedrock. And and these are, are probably worth writing down. And it's so important we understand these two phrases. Here's the first phrase. You can't reach your God-given potential without healthy relationships in your life. You cannot reach your God-given potential without healthy relationships in your life. And not just one or two. Like when we talk about relationships, we usually think about one or two people to help us grow. No, actually, it's not actually just the healthy relationships. It's really all your relationships. Because I said there's... There's an unhealthy version of my personality, there's a healthy version, and then there's this place in the middle. And I think you need all, all pieces of that spectrum to reach your God-given potential. You need the unhealthy versions of people's personality in your life, and you can think about who those are and write those down in your head. You know, don't say my life. You can think about some of those unhealthy versions right now, and you actually need those people. They're an asset to your character for you to practice what you are learning about loving people. And patience, as God is patient with you. So you need those people in your life more than you would rather write them off and get them out. You need people in your life. This is the most obvious one. We need people in our life that are going to challenge us and, and help us learn and grow and come to know, uh, you know what God is doing and how to apply those things and challenges us in that to encourage us along the way that are maybe further along in that health journey of um, being the healthy person that God's called us to be. And, and, and we need people that are just on, uh, along the race with us, that are coming alongside of us like, hey, man, I was dealing with that last week too. You know, I, and we're, we're all on that journey together. So, so we need this whole spectrum to reach our God-given potential. And the second phrase that's important we understand is that the body of Christ can't reach its full potential without you connected in loving relationship. Like we can't, reach our potential as Fathom Church, the city of Jacksonville, like Northeast. We can't do it unless we are connected together in loving relationship. But what good is a hand that's not connected to the body? What good is a foot that's not connected to the leg? A heart that's not inside the body? What good are they? They're no good at all. And if we begin to, to look into our own lives, are, are we connected in, in loving relationships? And I'm, I want to process that a little bit deeper because here's the deal. It doesn't matter how good our systems get at the church. It, it doesn't matter how much nicer our facilities get. It doesn't matter how many more leaders we on-ramp and, and things are running efficiently. It's all a facade if it's not built on loving relationships. Taryn and I um, sat up and watched uh, the, the Fire documentary on Netflix. I don't know if you watched that. It's so the language is a little bit edgy. So, um, but it takes you into this wild depths of, of a facade that was built. If you don't know the story, uh, they, they bought this you know, Pablo Escobar's private island and, and, and had this huge like, uh, Instagram, social media 
a buzz about this because they got 10 of the top models in the world to come down here and paint this beautiful picture about this, this amazing weekend that you can't afford to miss. And they painted this, uh, this picture with all these you know, beautiful women and they're playing on the beach and guys are drinking and partying and having a good time. And people were sending tens and 20 and $100,000 to rent these nice like villas and, and beach houses, like hundreds of thousands of dollars, millions of dollars that was being poured in here from all over the world. They sold out in less than 48 hours. These are, they were like 90% sold out in 48 hours. And so uh, long story short, they were just building a giant facade and it was all about the facade. And 6,000 people came down to what was not a private island and they were, you know, they had soaking wet air mattresses and, and a piece of bread with cheese and like that was their fancy meal. And like it was all a facade. And it just crumbled by this guy continuing to live. And as you watch this documentary, you're like, what in the world? Who lies like this? But, but we're no different if we're creating this facade that everything's amazing. If we're not in healthy relationships. Jesus said, they will know you by your love for one another. Like, Period. Period. It, it is our voice. And so I want to read Philippians 2, 1 through 11. And I want to talk about uh, relationships. Uh, and pride and humility. So <clears throat> let's read, <coughs> excuse me, verses one through 11. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love and being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility Consider others better than yourself. Each of you should, should uh, look not to only your own interests, uh, but also to the interests of others. And your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. But he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. And therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You see where we're going with this? I don't know if you were looking down at your phone to read or looking up here, but it starts here and it goes here and then it goes here, and then it goes here. Did you see that? Like, it's, if, if there's any fellowship here, have the same love. And if this is here, then this is how we live in this. And if we get in this place, God's going to raise us up. There, there, there's this movement that takes place when we connect here first and get our love and our relationship with God right. Everything else flows out of that. I want to take you through uh, some stages of relationships that you can look in your life right now. I can look back in my life and the different stages I've gone through and how I approach my relationships and how I look at my relationships. I think the first stage is the fake stage, right? The, the fake stage is, I think, could be d uh, determined probably internally where, uh, right, it's all surface level. It's all a facade, Internally, we've got everybody else pegged, you know? We've got everybody else nailed down and, and why we won't connect with them or what's wrong with them. 
yet we don't really know us. And we think we've, we, we don't even pay attention to us. It's, it's, uh, we've got all the reasons we're not compatible with other people. And we kind of have this very self you know, a focus in this stage. It's a, it's a fake stage. I lived this stage for a long time. This fake stage, like I'm just putting up a front. I think this stage is marked by gossip, you know, because I'm self-consumed. And so it's marked by pride. It's marked by a critical spirit constantly tearing down. It, it, it's marked by lying, by a lack of vulnerability. Uh, the fake stage. You ever had some of those stages with a relationship? Come on, we're just faking it. We're just faking it. You ever had that relationship with the church? You just come in and like, act like everything's fine. It's just fake, and you walk away, and, and, and you're still as broken as you, you ever were, and nobody knows it. You're still uh, on the edge of, of suicide, and nobody knows it. You, you're, just, you're just living the fake stage. I've been there. Uh, the fun stage. Come on, we, lo- we love the fun stage. We go to the fun stage, and it's kind of excitement, you know, and everything's there, and it's, it's so surface level, though. It's so surface level. There's this this appearance of excitement. And I think this, this stage, this season, is marked by public highs and private lows. I mean, how many of you ever lived here? Like, I'm just going from cool event to next hangout so I can get there, this next high, and then we walk away, and we're so lonely. We're so lonely, but there's this longing within us we go away and we're long we're just longing for something deeper we're longing for intimacy in our relationships has anybody ever lived in this one i know i have i've lived in the fun, i just i want, want to go to the fun stage i just want to be in the fun place uh, we go into a, a functional a functional stage we, we've been here before where people are a means to an end i need relationships to get me somewhere i think some of us find ourselves in a functional a functional stage right now, maybe. We're like, I'm coming to church because it's going to help me get there, you know, or, or I'm going to do this and, and, and I'm going to hang out with this person. I'm going to network with these people to get me there. And, and, and our focus of our relationships is just at a function. It's like just a means uh, to uh, an end. It's marked by selfishness, like by a promoting spirit. By every person we're talking to, we're actually thinking about how this relationship can benefit us. It's It's functional. Like, what can I get out of this? It's marked by selfishness. It's marked by a promoting spirit. And where the fun stage is marked by loneliness, I believe this one is marked by emptiness. Because as much as we take, 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 we're never going to be full. We just keep hoping that some, one of these is going to get the approval, what we need, and fill us up, but we find ourselves more empty than when we started because all we're doing is taking. And it's more blessed to give than to receive. I think we move into the freeing stage. Thank God for the freeing stage. We don't stay in this place, but the freeing stage isn't the final stage. Um, this is where I'm still using people. I just have pure motives, you know? Like, relationships are still a means to an end, but it's, all about, it's still all about me. You know what I mean? Like, I, I want to hang out with this person because I know they're going to help me get there, and it's in a pure sense. Like, our motives are getting pure, but I think it's still very driven by selfish ambitions. It's still about us. It's still about us, and there's more for us. I think this stage is marked by transformation, but it's also marked by immaturity. It's also marked by selfish ambitions and usefulness, because here's what happens, is I want these relationships as long as they're good for me. As soon as this person, you know, they were the one helping me for six months and now they're going through a tough time. And as soon as they're not helping in me, helping me anymore, deuces. 
Like, I don't, I don't need you anymore. You were, you were, see, it was pure motives, but at the end of it, I was still just using, and, and, and there's more for us. There's another stage God wants us to move into, and this is where I found myself uh, in, on this journey is, is longing for that my relationships and understanding that my relationships are foundational. Relationships are foundational to my life and discipleship. It's the primary place of me applying what I've learned. I've been saying this quote a lot because I think people around the country and in the church need to hear this. That um, one of the greatest dangers of our time is that we have all the content we will ever need, but we lack the commitment to community to practice what we've learned. I, I think this, this stage, it's marked by commitment. It's marked by selflessness and sacrifice in our relationships. I'm not just here for what I can get. I don't, I don't just go to the study to see what I can receive from it or to get me to a place or, or to who, who can I use to get me there. No, no, I, I'm here because I know they're foundational to my life. And, I, and I'm going to be committed to these loving relationships because they're foundation of what God is building. So it's marked by commitment. It's marked by transformation. It's marked by sacrifice, by love, by joy, by belonging. I, I didn't come with any motives. I, I just came to be. I just came to know and to be known. Isn't that a place we want to be? Like, isn't that a room we want to step into? Isn't that the type of life we want to lead and the people we want to lead alongside of? Like, I just want to, I just want to be able to be known and belong and, and to know others. And, and it builds this foundation that's built on love and commitment. And so I just want you to know relationships are foundational to your discipleship. That They're not like a side thing. They're not a means to an end. They're not just to get you free. No, no, they're foundational, like forever. Like God, God wants you in community. That's what it means. That's what authentic community uh, means. And so when we, when we uh, launched this church, I mean, one of the, the core values was authentic community. And we knew that in our heart, like, uh, we, had, we, we hadn't been in, in environments like this in which there was such authenticity that it was tangible, you know? But every time someone comes here, and this is a, a praise to you and how you live your life, not to anything we've done uh, or who we are, but I, I think it started there. But anyway, it started in our head, but anytime someone comes here uh, now, that's the first thing they tell me. Everyone's just so real. It's just, it's, it feels so honest. And like, I'm so thankful for that because I want to be in that place. I want to I be a part of that church. Like you've been a part of places that it's the opposite of that. And so I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for how you embody this. But I would say on our journey, like we wanted that as the culture and a core value for us, but God has had to, to lead us through it, what that actually takes to lead that. And, and, it's, and it's, been, um, it's been a hard journey emotionally, as we have allowed God to lead us there. It, it's, it's easier said than done, um, because what we realize is I've got a lot more pride than what I realized. Um, I, I lack hum, humility more than what I thought. And so pride manifests itself in a, in a lot of ways, and so I want to talk for a couple minutes about pride, how it manifests itself, and, and then really the, 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 the anecdote not no excuse, the antidote, not the anecdote, the antidote for pride, which is a practice of humility. 
not just a receiving of humility, but a practice of humility that will crucify the pride. And so, like I said, pride's going to lead itself into all kinds of sins, right? I, I believe it's the first one. I believe if you look under any sin and you drill down into that thing in the heart of the person, I think, I think pride's at the bottom of it. And so, you know, I don't know if you've ever seen that meme, like, I believe pride's at the bottom of, of, <laughs> of every sin. Prove me wrong. You ever seen that thing? Like, like sitting there, it's like, hey, prove me. I, maybe, maybe I can be proved wrong, but I, I'm convinced of that pride's at the core of it, and it, and it manifests itself in all these uh, negative ways. Uh, the first, uh, the, I'll just bring attention to five of them. The first is gossip. Really at the core of, of, of gossip is pride. Is pride. And gossipers don't just talk about other people, they talk about themselves a lot too. Is what I think. You know, I, I remember uh, uh, Terrence's uh, little cousin, uh, Chesley, driving down the road and, and somebody was on a bike and uh, they were riding a bike. And she's like, well, my thing is, he just needs to get a car. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so, <laughs> she was two. She was two. Cute little statement, right? Funny. My thing is, he just needs a car. Why can't he ride a bike? You know what I mean? And so, w- w- many of us, we live our, our lives like that, and, and pride works its way in, but it comes out, it, but it comes out of this, like, self-consumption um, to build ourselves up and to tear others down. That's, that's really what's going on in gossip. Can you hear and recognize gossip when you see it? Because the dangerous place is when you, you don't even recognize it. So if you say, I don't, I don't know if I'm a gossip, I don't know if I'm, I'm not a gossip, take this week, see if you can recognize it, because it's everywhere. And nothing will kill a team faster than gossip. It will and I, I don't have to describe to you what gossip is. You know it. It's talking to someone who, uh, about a problem that they can't do anything to fix, right? It's one thing to have community and be talking about something, but it's gossip when we're, we're talking to someone who cannot fix the problem. I wish they would just turn that music down, you know what I mean? And you've never walked back or walked up to the pastor or to Mark who's over production or, or, or one of the guys back there who can do something about it and say, guys, like my ears are bleeding, I love you, but like they're, they're bleeding. Is there any way, you know what I mean? I'm, I keep talking to my neighbor about it, I keep talking to my spouse about it for weeks and weeks, and I, I build resentment, and it begins to kill the team. Okay, I'm going to have to go fast. Uh, what we want to do here is pass encouragement out and hand criticism up. Encouragement out, criticism up. Uh, the second uh, way that I, I want to bring to light today is, um, is stubbornness. Let's just kind of get it going there for a second. Oh, <laughs> About a thing. That's a good, good song. Good song. Um, you just got to embrace it. You just got to embrace it and throw your hands up in the air and wave them like you just don't care. You know. Um, the, the, the second, uh, the second way that uh, I, I want to uh, bring light to is stubbornness or a lack of teachability. So the Nelsons and Taryn can um, uh, attest to this. The Nelsons are really known for their stubbornness. You know, it's admired in our family. That family doesn't quit, you know what I mean? Um, even if God was trying to kill our church, I'm too stubborn to quit, you know what I mean? Like, I'm just too, st- and, and what comes with that, and what I've had to, to learn um, on my journey with the Lord is to foster a teachable spirit. Um, because those that are stubborn um, are unwilling to admit they're wrong. When's the last time you admitted you were wrong? 
not in your head, but verbally to your spouse, to your boss. Hey, I'm sorry. Like, I was, I was wrong. I was wrong. Uh, stubbornness, lack of teachability. We're unwilling to, to admit we're wrong. Uh, you, you're the person in the room that always has to teach everybody else something. You know what I mean? Actually, there is not a more annoying word in the world than the word actually. Taryn's got a little cousin, and uh, he was like eight at the time, nine. You do. She's got lots of cousins. Uh, I'm picking, them, picking on them today. Uh, they got a lot of pride in their life. I just want to let you know. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. He was probably eight or something, and we're hanging out. And kids are so much smarter now, right? They, like, know more about dinosaurs than I'll ever want to know or care to know. And computers and everything. And we would just be talking about all, all kinds of things. And he would just keep interrupting the conversation. Well, actually, I'm like, if you say actually one more time, son, you're going to find... So, um, no, we always got to teach somebody else something. Do you find yourself as that person, or have you been in that, in that group? Uh, one of the quotes that changed it for me, I was in college, and I, and I heard someone say this, and you've heard me talk about it before. I've never met a man who's not my superior at something. That, that changed a lot for me, just that one quote, that it, it just began to open my eyes that I can learn something from everyone. So when I tell you to come here and like this isn't about this platform or like a moment for me to pour in, this is about all of us being open to learn from one another and to grow together and foster a teachable spirit, right? What could God do with a church that had a teachable spirit? That was built on a foundation of loving relationships. Come on, are we just dreaming about this right now? Like what God can do in this time and, and moving forward? Um, that, that changed a lot for me. Uh, number three, a lack of vulnerability. You know, we want an authentic culture, but it's, it's really pride that keeps us from being honest and from being vulnerable. Like, we've got excuses for why we won't be vulnerable, for why we won't be honest. They won't understand. I've been hurt in the past. I don't want them to look at me any differently. You know, we've got, we've got all these excuses. You could probably think of three or four more. But lack of vulnerability, we really, when it comes down to it, we're living in the fake stage. We're living in the fun stage, and we're lonely, we're empty. We're glazing over the truth. We're spinning the truth because we're not, we're not being honest about where we're really at and what's really going on. Uh, number four, uh, I think pride manifests itself with an unwillingness to ask for help. Or to receive help. No, no, I got it. No, no, I got it. No, I got it. I have, to, I have to slow down all the time and just talk to amazing people who are sacrificial in their, in their service. And, and they give and they give and they give. And it, it comes out of like giver's heart and, and servant's hearts. But I have to stop and be like, hey, no, no, no. You need to learn to receive. Because I know you understand what grace is, but God is trying to give you grace right now because you're really exhausted. Because you're really very close to burnout, and you're also in a really prideful place where you're unwilling to accept help. And so a willingness to receive uh, help and to, and to ask for help. This, and I'm terrible about this, okay? So I'm, I'm, I'm talking out of personal experience with every one of these. I'm not talking from a high horse. I'm talking from, I've fallen off the horse many times. Um, 
this week you want to start breaking this off, find things that you don't even need help for, asking for help. You have the answer for it. Ask for the answer anyway from someone else. You see how that just begins to change something uh, in our hearts? Um, the, the last one I'll mention, and I think this could be manifested in so many other ways, but the last one I'm going to min- uh, mention is selfishness. Selfishness, right? A self-focus and <coughs> an unwillingness to, to focus on others, an unwillingness to, uh, <coughs> to sacrifice, an, unwilling to, an unwillingness to do more than what's expected. I'm going to talk about this tomorrow, about the minimum, like how we, we want to live just to hit the minimum, the minimum grade. We're going to talk about that tomorrow. Um, this past weekend, I was, or this past week, I was at a conference and they had Mission Barbecue. Mission Barbecue is awesome. By the way, if you haven't tried it, there's one at the town center and uh, one at, uh, awesome, thank you so much. You hear me dying up here. Um, uh, and there's one over in Orange Park. And anyway, I was at this conference and uh, for dinner Monday night or something, they had Mission Barbecue. And so there's 200 people there. Everybody gets in line. And, and I was up in conversation just chatting with somebody. And so it just turns out I'm the last one in line. You ever been at a big event and you're the last one through the line? What are you thinking through your head? There's going to be nothing left. You know what I mean? Like, I just know it, and so I'm preparing myself for it. So I get closer. A few more people come up behind me uh, to the end um, and and uh, get up there, and there's no coleslaw, but I don't care because I don't like coleslaw. Uh, but then I'm eyeing down, like, two, two items down, and the mac and cheese, and Mission Barbecue's bar- mac and cheese is legit, okay? And so, FYI, though, their catering mac and cheese is not the same as their in-house mac and cheese, so just so if you get excited about that. <laughs> It's better. It's better in-house. So anyway, I, I, I eye the plate in the pan, and it's, and it's almost empty. There's like three noodles and the, you know, two servings. And I'm like, what, do I, what am I going to do here? And that was like what I was most excited about. And so I'm just, you know, you just work it through your heart. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You're like pep-talking to yourself. Like, it's okay. I'll eat cookies, and I'll eat more barbecue. And like, I'm just pep-talking myself. And then as I just kind of calm my heart in that moment, because I'm not going to get my mac and cheese, here comes a big old tray that's mine and mine alone. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so, hey... Isn't, isn't that like when we, we push off of our selfish desires, like God, God will bring more than what we could ever need. Yeah, yeah he'll, bring, he'll bring more mac and cheese. Right? We just push off our selfish desires and crucify that. So uh, there's a desire to be generous. Um, and so, so what do we do with that? What do we do with all this stuff, these ways that, that pride is manifesting itself in our life? Because this stuff is every day. It's every day in all of our life. And Satan's working tirelessly to separate us from God and to separate with others. I, I don't even have time to go into all of it, but if we start looking at how each one of those things are actually separating us from connection, from people God has put in our life to draw us closer to him, those that are more unhealthy, those that are on the process with us, and those that are actually healthier than us, God's actually put them in our, in our life, but, but his pride is separating us. I gotta go through these last ones quick. So what do we do with this? Well, we practice humility. We break pride through humility. It's not a place, we don't just receive the gift of humility. Some some may have received that, but it, and it's a gift from God. I think the vast majority of humans, the only way we're getting to this place is through practice, like daily practice of this. So let, let's talk about it. What, what's going to combat gossip? Honor. Honor. 
those that you, and here, here's what honor is. It's, it's public praise and it's public honor, uh, public praise and, and private honor too. It's both. It's both. It's one thing for me, me to, to get up here. I'm like, hey, I just want to, um, you know, or actually, let, let's do this around. Let, let's, let's make me uh, the, the one to pick on here. Uh, it's one thing for Lee to come up and be like, I just love Pastor. I'm so thankful for him. And really, he's got some resentment in his heart towards me about something. So thankful for his service and sacrifice, public praise, a perception of honor. It's another thing to come off the stage and look me in the eye. But I want to thank you for your sacrifice. It's a, it's a different it's a different thing. And if you, if you find yourself gossiping about somebody, that's the best way to begin to combat it, is to begin to honor them, not just publicly, but privately. And in fact, I'd tell you to start pri- privately than publicly. Because sometimes we can, we can do the public thing, and then what we're really getting out of it is, look, I'm so much better now. I've worked through this stuff, but we haven't, because we haven't looked that person in their, in their eyes and said, no, no, I want to thank you. This is what I see in you, and I'm so grateful for that. Um, that private honor, uh, teachability. What's going to, uh, a lack of teachability and stubbornness? Teachability, actually forcing yourself to, to learn. And so there's a, a lot. And I think honor actually paves the way for this too. When we break it down and we realize, no, no, I, there's a lot I can learn from each one of you. When I'm recognizing honor, I become more teachable. Because I'm finding things that to just honor and bless in each one of you. And I could do that around this room right now because I think you guys are amazing. Um, but it's paved the way for, for me to be uh, teachable. A um, couple of thoughts on that. What, what are some, a couple of questions? Like I always, like anytime I, I go to it, something like this, or, or a time when I'm gathering people, I've always got a couple of questions written down. A couple of questions in my heart that I'm looking for somebody, some conversation that we're gonna have, and, and I'm just, I'm fostering a teachable spirit, and I'm recognizing places I'm weak. And so I'm looking around like, who's strong in this? Who's strong? Like, I'm bad at organizing my calendar, and that's not true, but let me pick on myself. Like, I'm bad at organizing my calendar. Who's strong in this? Who can I spend some time with? Like, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm bad at gossiping. Like, who's, who's really practices honor that I can learn this from, and I can sit down and have a two-minute conversation with them? So teachability. I just stay a learner. I love how so many of you, you're in college, you know, um, you know far, far beyond, like, maybe, uh, not far beyond. That was, that was heavy. Um, but maybe, maybe out of like your, uh, you know, like young, like young college years, you think like right out of high school, but you're still applying yourself, still learning, still growing. And so I, I just, I honor that. Stay, stay a learner. Uh, what's going to kill uh, a lack of vulnerability? Well, honesty and vulnerability, right? Um, these are not rocket science. Second Corinthians 12, 9, do you remember what that one says? I will boast in my weakness all the more so that Christ's power may rest on me. I, I've always loved that phrase. I, I wrote a song years ago and we recorded it. And I remember sitting in the studio and arguing about that because different translations put it different ways. But I love that it may rest on me. It's just like a cloak I wear, his power. Like I, I walk in his power and I can choose to take it off. But when I boast in my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. And I just wonder this week if you'll just get honest about something. If you'll get vulnerable about something, I wonder if the power that you need to overcome is just going to begin to rest on you. Like your power to overcome fear, to overcome shame, to, to overcome doubt, to overcome gossip, to overcome pride. I wonder if you just boast on some weakness. If you just walk in humility in this and be honest about maybe where you're struggling, 
I wonder if God's power may just rest on you. Um, number four, uh, vul- uh, not vulnerability, we did that one. Uh, empowering others without being controlling, right? A willingness to, to ask for help. You know, that, that was the one. What's going to combat that? Well, empowering others, like releasing others to help, re- releasing others to come alongside you without being controlling. It doesn't mean you take your hands off completely, but it's coming alongside and saying, hey, will you help me with this? This is what I see in you, and I think you can begin to practice all these things, honor and teachability, right? And that, hey, you're smarter than me. This week, I, I brought somebody in, into our staff meeting that doesn't usually sit in our staff meeting. They're a volunteer in our, in our church, and I just said, hey, like, we're teachable. You know, like, come, come teach us. Like, we don't know everything there is to know about this and learn, and it's just empowering them to, to, to walk in it and, and at the same time making us teachable. And the last one, what's going to battle that selfishness? Well, selflessness selflessness. We say greatness is poured out in the small things, and for uh, almost five years uh, in our church, our third core value since the very beginning has been, anybody say it, service? It's been service. Um, and, And at the beginning of last year, we were kind of going back over our core values as a team, and just like, hey, let's look at these. Like, I feel like something's missing here, because like, Service is, is a part of our value, but it doesn't describe the type of service that we want. And we said, no, no, it's got to be selfless service because that's the type of culture like we, we live in here. That it's not about me. It's not about where this is going to get me. It's not about usefulness and all that. It, it's about selflessness. It's about po- uh, posturing our heart uh, to pour out greatness in the small things, right? We, we say that all the time. Nothing's going to kill that self-focus more than sacrifice and where it's not going to get me anywhere down the road for me personally. It's just selfless. And so I'd ask you today, maybe think about what stage are your relationships in? You got some fake relationships? Maybe you're in the functional stage. Maybe you're in the freeing stage, and God just wants to move you today in your heart, in this prayer right now. He's just going to shift something in your heart that they're foundational for my life, and I'm going to be committed to them even when it doesn't feel like they're benefiting me. You know, I'm going to be committed because I believe that the foundation of a healthy church and of the church is loving relationship. That's not my idea. That's God's idea. And I want to be a part of a church. I want to be a part of a family. I want to be a part of a team that leads in this way. Um, we're pride that every worship leader, and let me just brag on all of our worship leaders and our team, none of them, for musicians, it shows itself in a church there more than anywhere else. It really does. Come on, you've been in those churches. And you know for that person, it's about them. And you can tell, obviously. Because they're in front of people. It doesn't mean they're the only ones. They're just the ones that people can be like, yeah, that's all about them. I'm so thankful for this team. There's not a single person on this stage that gets on there and it's about them. I'm in the rehearsals and I'm around it and I know. And so I just honor each one of you guys because you help set that culture in our church for us to see and maintain that it's all about God. And I tell our worship team all the time, our goal is to get the eyes off of us as fast as possible and get them on God. That's all of our job because we are all worship leaders in our lives to point people towards God. Let's pray. God, thank you so much. Thank you for this family. Thank you for the word of God. Thank you for the life of Jesus who teaches us this by example. And God, and thank you for, for this time that we have to encourage one another and posture ourselves with a teachable spirit, God, and with vulnerability that says, God, I want to grow. But God, I, I see myself in this functional stage, this freeing stage or a fake stage. God, would you help me? 
Would you help me? Would you bring these people alongside me, God, to help me take the next steps in, uh, in each one of our walk? God, and we thank you for this time. We just pray that you would do more than what we can think or imagine today. And uh, we just love you and, uh, and bless your name, Jesus' name. Amen.